The autumn wind is a pirate. Welcome, Raider Nation, to the Raider Nation podcast. I am your host, Raider Greg, and the OTAs are in full swing. There is drama. There's a little trauma as well. We're going to hit on that and more here on show 437. Well, Raider Nation, we've had a few technical difficulties, to say the freaking least. We're working hard to take care of them. Randy is on the J-O frickin' B. So, we're throwing out some shows. Whatever. Hope you can find us. <laughs> just kidding. Anyhow, let's just find out what's on this show. On today's show, we will have the OTAs are well underway. Yes, we got a little bit of injuries, got a little issues, but all in all, hey man, looking pretty good for the Raiders. Going to hit on that. Well, here we go, another another season of rule changes. NFL and their vast wisdom. And an attempt to jack up the game continues to change the rules so that the referees are absolutely freaking clueless. And we'll see that this season should be entertaining. We got a tidbit on a stadium deal. I don't want to go too much into it, but it just keeps getting funnier and more convoluted by the day. So we'll hit on that for sure. Got a little tidbit by... Donald Penn, offensive lineman. Nice insight to the team. I think you'll like to to hear what he has to say. That and the bone line should wrap up the show. Man, I can't wait for football season. Come on, man. We got to get this thing rolling. Camp is going to be on fire this year. I can't wait. All right, so let's get into the show. Raider Nation, this year's OTAs are spelled BOOM, B-O-O-M, as Ken Norton Jr. lights the defense on fire. Well, this is what's happening in camp. Uh, The third week of OTAs, things are really starting to pan out as far as the coaching staff, the routine. Things are coming together a lot faster than most even thought. Uh, Ken Norton Jr. seems to be the booming voice on the field. Uh, cheering on the defense as they go against the offense. A lot of good vibes on this team. I'm liking what I'm hearing. Let's listen to Donald Penn talk a little bit about the offensive line. What's it been like adjusting to, uh, to a new system, a new offensive line coach for a guy like Mike Tice? How, how is he to work with? I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a great guy. He keeps it loose. Um, make sure we work when we need to work, you know. He, he's a former player, so, you know, he has a better understanding of guys' bodies and, you know, knows when we need to rest. Um, best part is he really keeps the room loose and, and keeps it keeps it going and, 
you know, me and Khalif, we, we, we um, police it, you know, to make make sure the young guys know when it's time to work, we need to work. You know, when he, when he's cool and we're loose, we're loose. But when it's time to work, we work. And I think we've been doing a good job of, of you know, being loose when, we, when, we, when he wants us to and working when we need to work. Are you taking on, you talked about you and Khalif kind of policing room. Are you now that this is just something you're getting more established here, are you taking on more of that role? I mean, Khalif's, Khalif's, the, Khalif's the man. He's been here for, what, eight years now? I mean, you know, I, I follow his lead, but... You know, me being a veteran, playing a lot, um, I do I do speak up when I need to. And I mean, me and him are like, we're like this, so we feed off of each other. You know, if we see something, he might see it before me, I might see it before him. But, you know, we're doing a good job of um, policing the room and keeping everybody straight. And, you know, the good thing is, you know, the young guys are coming in, they're just catching on, they're just following our lead, and it's making it easy on us. Jack talks about, you know, changing the culture and the mindset. What exactly is that mindset? I mean, mindset, you know, it'll be hard-nosed football, um, physical football team, but smart at the same time. You know, we don't want to be out there hurting ourselves with penalties and stuff, but we're going to be a physical, you know, tough team. I think Jack brings that. You know, uh, Coach Tice brings that too. And, you know, we, we, we have, we have a, a big, strong offensive line, so we want to impose our will this year. And, you know, we did that at times last year, but we need that's what we're working so hard on. We need to do it on a consistent basis. And, um, you know, that, 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 that's the plan going out. You said during a, a radio interview that sometimes when uh, Jack doesn't see what he likes to practice, he'll stop practicing saying, you know, we're going to be the new Raiders. We're not the old Raiders. What do you think he means by that? I mean, we're not going to be, you know, you know, you get that little slogan when something goes bad. You know, it happens in, in life or any time. You know, something goes bad, you go, oh, here we go again. We're not we're not doing that here we go again. We're 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 starting new, we're starting fresh and we're starting to get better. I mean, so like when stuff goes bad, he wants to make sure people are not saying here we go again. You know, we're not doing that. We're not taking any steps back. We're trying to stay, take steps forward. So I think that's a big thing that he's trying to trying to get across to the to to the young guys and to the older guys, you know, this is a this is a new new way. Follow his lead and you know, I trust him. I mean, he did a great job in Jacksonville, you know, turning that team around. What's changed for Lima this year? What do you guys be asking differently this year than last year? Um, I mean, you know, just learning the offense is is is, is um, <laughs> probably the biggest thing. You know, it's a lot of memorization in there, and um, you know, learning each each offensive line coach is different. So learning, you know, Coach Tice has a different technique than you know uh, Coach Pirano did. So just catching on to that, and. Um, you know, catching on, you know, he might want you to step a different way than, than than you're used to, you know. But that doesn't take too long to do. But little things like that and, you know, learning new protections and learning new new calls and new schemes, you know, that that's probably the biggest thing. But, you know, I think we're picking it up real real good and real fast. Um, him and our coach, uh, Holt, they're doing a great job of, of, of relaying it to us and, and getting getting our message across. And, you know, when we they count MAs and, you know, we haven't been having that many. So that's a good good thing. You know, it would seem like when this offense goes up tempo, you're going to have to be moving quite a bit. But at the same time, you guys could be running with power out of those kind of you know same personnel groups. Is that put a lot on your uh, you know preparation to make sure that you're in tip top shape to be able to do everything they're asking you guys to do? Or I mean, the, it, the shape I don't think is a big thing because you know we did a lot of that last year too. Right. You know, so you know I think the the off season is going to be the same mentality. You know, come back in the best shape of your life. I mean, and the best shape of the year, and that'll pick up on his own. But you know, it is going to be a good, a good variable. You know, to switch, switch back and forth. But 
you know, I'm not the offensive coordinator, so I don't know how much we'll be we'll be doing that and how much we won't, you know. But in practice, we need to practice it because we don't practice it, we won't be ready if we do do it. So, you know, I think we're we're ready for anything right now. Being without uh, without Derek Carr for as long as you've been without him this off season, is that at all a reason for concern, or is it just so early that it's not a big deal? I, I have no concern at all. Um, Derek knows this offense almost as good as the offensive coordinator. And I have no worries in Derek. Derek still gets here, first person here in the morning. He's still out there calling out stuff in the back. Um, like he really has a good grasp for this offense. Uh, I feel like he needs to do what he's doing. Take his time. You don't, you don't, you don't win games right now. You know he'll be ready when when he's ready. And I tell him that all the time. There's no rush. I, I know what he could do, and I can't wait to see his growth and how much better he gets uh, going into this next year. I'm really excited. You were one of um, a handful of guys at the end of last year that were um, sort of campaigning for Sperano and, and because he did he did a lot for you and you liked him as a position coach and you liked him as a head coach. But as a, a veteran, you know things don't always go the way you expect they're going to go. What did you hope hope to see from the new staff and what have you seen? No, I, lo- I, I love Sperano, man. We really built a great relationship. I still talk to him now. And, you know, one of the things he taught me that I knew already, but he really taught me again, you know, it's a business. And he knows that, I know that. And, you know, he's going to do great. He's a great coach. But, you know, with the new staff coming in, you know, I, I, when I heard they hired Jack and he was a hometown guy and, you know, he he uh, grew up a Raider fan, you know, I was excited about that. And then when uh, we hired Coach Holt, played two years with him in Tampa, three years with him in Tampa. So I knew him, so I was excited to get back to work with him and then, you know, I know a lot of people throughout the league, and I've heard nothing but great things about Coach Tice. So I was really looking forward to working with, with them. So when I found out all that, my, my, it was excitement. I couldn't get ready to get started. And now we're here working, and, you know, everything I, I thought is coming true, you know. Coach Tice is a great coach. Dario, he has a great mentality. He's a great coach, and everything I was thinking is coming is coming reality. So I'm just working hard, just trying to get better because, like you said, we aren't going to be the old Raiders. we got to turn this thing around. How's Rodney Hudson fit in with you guys since coming over? Oh, man, he fits right in, man. He's a jokester just like us. Uh, you know, me and Khalif, we stay on him. We go, we go, we go back and forth. But I mean, he's he's a great athlete, and he's gonna be big for us in that middle. Um, he's putting us in the right spot. Uh, he's great in space. You know, when he gets out there in space, he's 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 great. He's very athletic, and um, you know, he he's going. He's a big part of this offensive line. I'm, I'm happy to have him. I mean, he. He's been a very underrated player, and you know, watch him out here. You know, he's a very. I'm like, oh my, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're worth every penny you got. You know, he's he's a very good player, so I'm looking forward to it. He's gonna man that middle, and, and we're gonna follow his lead. When you come into the league, you know, a lot of times have a choice for the team that you play with. You know, you play for who drafts you. You grew up a Raider fan. What's it mean for you, and how you got here? Those years in Tampa, and then and then leaving Tampa and coming here. What's it mean to you to put on that uniform? I mean, it's great, man. I, I love, I love being a Raider and uh, wearing that black and silver. I mean, I love, I, I love my years in Tampa. But if I could, if I could have set it the way I wanted, I would have, I would have started here, you know, because growing up a Raider fan, playing a Raider fan. But my fairy tale ending will be when I retire, a Raider. We were winning, going to playoffs, maybe have a Super Bowl under my belt. You know, that will be a fairy tale ending. And everything happens for a reason, and I'm happy to be closer to home. I'm happy to be a Raider, and, 
you know, I'm trying to do everything possible to, to turn this thing around. Um, this is kind of off football a little bit. Did you have to fight somebody breaking into your home this offseason? I mean, yeah, but that's in the past, man. I'm going to get, I don't even want to even talk about that. But, you know, that's in the past. We got through that, and, uh, you know, I, I don't wish that on anybody. And, you know, I hope nothing like that ever happens again. You jumped on your Warriors bandwagon? I'm still Lakers all day. Ah. <laughs> I, I, want, I want the Warriors to win, though. I'm a big LeBron hater, so <laughs> I, at least I admit to it. <laughs> You know, I've told you guys before about the tempo. The tempo is crazy. If you look at Donald Penn's picture now, he's lost a bunch of weight. A lot of these guys are in super good shape now because Del Rio is a fiend for the basics. You know, the fundamentals of football, you know, you got to be in good shape. You got to be strong. You got to be smart. You got to practice hard. All those fundamentals are Jack Del Rio. And it's showing up in practices, like running from event to event, hustling, 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 not the old lalagagging Raiders of the past where we've seen these OTAs before where they're kind of a walkthrough. This is no walkthrough. There is passion. There is some significant attitude. And the Raider Nation is going to like the product that's being put out by this young staff. Let's talk here to uh, the coach. Let's listen to what he's got to say about this young team. What's happening, folks? All right, guys. Go ahead and open up the question. Uh-oh. Somebody's sick in the back. Sorry. Don't get too close to our players. What are your impressions of Curtis Lofton so far? Curtis is a nice, uh, nice addition to the team. He's a veteran linebacker. Uh, understands what it takes to perform in this league, and you know is doing a good job of uh, of providing some of that leadership, you know, in the in the meeting rooms and out on the field. Past few years, uh, several years, Janikowski has um, come to these voluntary stuff. Not hasn't come to a lot of them. Um, this year, he's here. Um, talked about competition at every spot. Does that include his spot as well, playskaker? Well, every year, you know, you have to come in and, um, you know, establish who you are and what your abilities, you know, are. I think, I think he's done that. I think he, I think he's got several years left, you know, performing at a high level. So, but no, he's been a great teammate, showed up here and been here and participating 100%, done everything we've asked, and he's been great. So, um, I think he's ready to have a big year for us. When you were on the opposite side of the field coaching against him during the week, how, how much of a concern was, was having him on the, on the other side? Well, you know, we were, we were aware of, you know, the length of the kick, the potential you know, game winner that he was capable of. So, you know, you know, some teams, you know, they know they have to get to the 30 or 32 or 35, you know, with him. You know, he crosses midfield, and it's a, he's a threat. Along the same lines, what kind of comfort level does it give you to have a long camper like John Condo part of that battery? Yeah, well, we've got a, we've got a pretty good group. You know, our specialists are, are are strong. John's been a good player at that spot for for a number of years, so uh, you know we feel good about uh, you know that group of players. Is Derek Carr making the type of progress that you would hope that he would? Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. He made a couple throws that is 
early on? Is that a sign that maybe he could increase some activity next week? Or? Well, do what we can when we can, and he's doing well right now. I, I think uh, right before the or right after the uh, draft, uh, um, uh, Mac said that he put on some weight. I think he played right in, in the two fifties. He said he was around two sixty five. Was that was that a target weight you wanted him to bulk up uh, some? And if so, why? No, nope, it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> I'll make it a little easier. He he's you know we asked our guys to come in and. Um, eat right and train hard, and um, and then I, I really trust you know Joe Gomes and his staff to help us establish healthy, um, productive weights for our guys. And so you know he's he doesn't have he doesn't carry a lot of body fat. Uh, he's added some lean mass and uh, he's put on good weight. So we feel good about where he is. Do you have a preference on weight? What weight he's at? Yeah, we have numbers for everybody, but I, I don't want to get into. What numbers I've assigned, especially for some of the bigger guys, they don't want to hear that. Donald's had a good off season. I think uh, you know we feel good about the, the O line group. Feel feel good about the work they're putting in, and um, you know he's certainly uh, you know a good player for us, and. Uh, so that that left side with he and Gabe and, and then Rodney, and that left side is very strong, and um, you know I think the right side is going to be pretty good too. So, but um, I think he's done a nice job so far. I mean, you can definitely hear Ken talking throughout practices. Do you think that he was quiet today? <laughs> Do you think that the players really uh, responded to his and to your style of practice and style of the leadership? Yeah, I think I think. Uh, you know, we ask our, our guys, we want them to express themselves and be themselves and um, and have fun, uh, but put in the work and understand what it takes, and we're getting all that. And, uh, you know, Ken and Jethro and uh, Sal, all those guys are vocal. And um, and so, no, we, 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 like, we like the way we're working. We're working with a lot of energy. We're developing players and developing the mentality we want to have, and uh, I think it's gone great. I don't so much I don't so much refer to, uh, to I, I try not to really refer to anything negative um, we're going to correct things that aren't right but I want to paint the picture for how we want it to look and what we want it to be and where we're going and uh, how we can get there and focus more on the doing and the positive and how we can get there and less on, you know, making contrast or po- pointing out something that was in the past. That's not that's not a part of who we are right now. We're going forward. Um, we understand the work that needs to be put in, and um, and so we're, you know, full speed ahead. And uh, I think he's referring to that because I, I – you know, I always I always attempt to paint a picture. I know these guys really want to really want to win. They're willing to work, and we need to paint a picture and show them how to get there. Offseason program is winding down at least this phase of it. What do you hope to get done in the next <coughs> seven sessions on the field? And what's going to be your message for the six weeks until training camp? Well, we'll wait for the message. We have a lot of time between now and then for the message uh, about you know going out. Uh, but we want to finish our work. Now, we've had a very productive 
offseason. Very productive for a little over four, four and a half months, maybe since I took over. Been um, a lot of work has gone into that, and we still have a lot of work to do. So it's just continue, you know, carry on. It's uh, been an excellent, excellent uh, start to the offseason, and uh, we, we want to finish strong. Well, the schedule it, it was to you know put the throttle down and go every day and maximize every day, and that's what we've done. So, uh, a little over four months into it, that's that's where we are. We we continue to try and maximize each day, uh, express ourselves, what we stand for, what we believe in, and uh, come here and do that for each other. And I think the guys have done a great job of that. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. Dan Williams is back. How does he look uh, so far? Dan's big. He's a big, powerful man. Uh, you know, he's he's working his way. Uh, he's got he's got work to do, but he's uh, he's got a good mentality. Is there a case of knocking some rust off, or is that not really this part? Yeah, no, no worries about Dan. Dan's going to be fine. He's a big, strong guy, um, and uh, you know he's he's progressing. It, it came up from Justin Todd, and I think that you've mentioned uh, uh, Armstrong's name quite a few times. Yeah. What have you seen that has, that has impressed you from him? Uh, very athletic. Um, He's uh, he's really bought into uh, the idea of uh, maturing and being more disciplined in his play, and uh, I think that you know he brings some of the playmaking and some of the natural athletic ability that we like, some of the aggressiveness that we like, and uh, we're we're just wanting to make sure that uh, the maturity is there and the, the responsibleness is there, the accountability is there, and I think he's I think he's made great strides. You know, over this off season and developing himself, you know, along those lines, that's going to be important for us and important for him. All right, guys, y'all set? Thank you. Thank you. You got it. Thank you. Derek Carr was injured. I guess it was a hand injury. No one wants to say anything, but he is throwing the ball around a little bit. The last guy I'm worrying about is Carr. I mean, this is a tough kid who's the first in the building. He's the last to leave. He's like the heart of this team so far. I'm liking this setup right now. Uh, he's going to be back. He'll be back definitely 100% by training camp. I have no doubt. All in all, we shouldn't expect a whole lot because it's the first year of a coaching staff, and we all know what that is. However, I do like the way the staff is coming together. I like the way the team is coming together, and we should see a lot of improvement. If, if anything else, the fundamentals are, will certainly be pounded in hard. Uh, this team is going places. I think it's got a good foundation. I think this is a good way to go forward for the Oakland Raiders. And that is all I have to say about that.
okay, the stadium. <laughs> Aren't you tired of it? I know I am. And I'll tell you what it is. The whole thing comes down to this. They are confusing us and convoluting the message and the issues so much that nobody is going to have any feelings about anything, no matter what happens, because we'll be tired of the onslaught of bullshit coming our way. And our friend uh, Carmen Policy, of course, former CEO of the 49ers, is now part of that group, and he joins us now. Hi, Carmen. How are you? Fine. Great. Good afternoon, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a nice weekend. Yeah, Yeah, holiday weekend, Carmen. Last time you were on, I I do recall I asked you about the Carson deal, and, and you spoke glowingly about it, and Mark Davis. What was that, about a month or so ago? So. Give me the timeline. Uh, when did Dean Spanos and Mark reach out to you to be a part of the Carson deal? It, it was, it was I, I don't remember if it was shortly after our conversation, Greg, or like a week and a half later. But uh, I received a call from uh, Dean Spanos, and he says, we'd like to sit and talk to you. And I obviously said, why? <laughs> and uh, then we started talking, and it was... It was a whirlwind situation, and we had some meetings and uh, tried to get to know each other. And I, other than shaking his hand when he had a meeting in San Francisco, I think that was, you know, that was the first time I met Mark Davis. So, really? I, yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, hello, shook his hand, how are you? Yeah, and that that was the extent of it. But so we've spent a lot of time with uh, the three of us really going into detail. And then we started spending time with uh, some of their key people. And then the league meeting started officially on Tuesday of uh, this week. Mm -hmm. We came to terms in general over the weekend before and then finalized it in San Francisco that Monday and then started doing some of the interviews and made the announcement on Monday. Okay, so so what is your role within this uh, proposal? I'm technically the director of the Carson Holdings LLC, which is the entity that uh, basically represents the uh, joint venture of the Raiders and the Chargers. And I'm supposed to advance, promote, represent, uh, develop uh, the efforts to have Carson be projected as uh, the best possible site for the National Football League to return to L.A. and to deal with the uh, L.A. market in terms of giving that message to the people of L.A. and the you know, potential fans that will be going to this site. So they got the deal done just in time for the for the meetings in San Francisco, Carmen, to, to have you present the, the Carson plan to the owners. So give us the Cliff Notes version. When you, when you stood up and spoke to the other owners in the National Football League, what was your, what was your selling point about, about Carson? Well, I w- I'll give you the cliff notes, but the, I did not speak to the owners oh, uh, other than informally okay. at, at different times because it wasn't on the agenda. The only thing on the agenda was a discussion as to, first of all, what is happening in the local markets of the teams that have interest in uh, L.A. And secondly, the league gave a, a timeline for how it was going to address the issue of going back to L.A. And uh, the Carson site, if you think about it, so many of these stadium deals have all been centered around real estate development. 
And it's understandable that they would because you're trying to find different ways to make the deals work and to get them financed. And you bring real estate development into the picture, that becomes a, uh, an area of profit and or at least revenues that facilitate financing these master, these master deals like this. We are going to be able at Carson to, instead of produce, producing a, a, a real estate development, we're producing a football venue development. This is all about football. This is all about a, a grand stadium that's going to house not only two teams, but will host Super Bowls on a, on a regular basis. We're going to have 170 acres, 168, 170 acres, that's going to be dedicated to the venue and the fans. It's going to be the greatest fan day experience, I think, in all of professional sport. And the opportunities for tailgating, which, by the way, are, are considered to be vital to both the Chargers and to the Raiders, will be un- unprecedented. And you're going to have a min- well, we were saying a minimum of 15,000 dedicated spaces. I think it will be 20,000 dedicated spaces. And dedicated is the key term because that means that is a dedicated parking space for the fans coming to the game for the venue. And I start looking at this project, and I saw how they got everything done. It's totally entitled. I know it sounds almost impossible in California, first of all, to find a landmass like that in the L.A. market. And then to have everything resolved. It's entitled. There's no more votes to be taken by any legislative body. There's no ballot issue to be resolved. EIR is done for. It's just ready to be handed up to the NFL and to the teams that will move in there and say, go ahead, do your who's, thing. Who's going to pay for it, Carmen? 1.7, Bill, how do you pay for it? The wonderful part of all this is Goldman Sachs is not only ready. They're, they're, they're itching to get started because they know they can finance this deal and they can finance it. And really, I'm not saying it's easy, but and forgive me for... Uh, using a basketball analogy, the, the word I got from them, it's a slam dunk. There's going to be contributions from the team. There's going to be contributions from the National Football League. But the deal will get financed because with two teams there and the suggestion of Super Bowls coming, it, it really does facilitate practicality and, and financial responsibility. Carmen Policy is good enough to join us. He is now the uh, director of uh, Carson Holdings LLC, the uh, group that is trying to bring the Raiders and the Chargers to Carson. You've also obviously got uh, Stan Kroenke's situation. He's he's racing to L.A. as well. So why is this situation in Carson maybe more advantageous to the league than what he's trying to do? Well, I, you know, we, we really have committed that we would not in any way try to interfere with uh, the other project in L.A., nor would we criticize it. But when I, when I tell you about the fan experience and the opportunity to finance this with the ease that I'm talking about, and it's a football venue, and it's not tucked into uh, and, and tightly squeezed into a real estate development venue, I think that's going to carry a lot of weight with the owners. I think it will certainly carry a lot of weight with the fans. And there's one other element here that when we talk about the L.A. market, we're not just talking about L.A. County. We're talking about Orange County as well. Carson will be the best site to accommodate fans from Orange County. And I also think Carson will be a great site to accommodate uh, people from the San Diego area that want to come up 
and want to be, uh, you know, part of, of the Chargers in the L.A. Uh, region. And they're only like 90 miles away, my understanding is that, that, that it's really that close. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I really think that it's a great, great, great story that NFL owners are going to buy into. Carmen, does it have to be one or the other? Is there any scenario where both Inglewood gets built and Carson gets built? Greg, I, I, I don't see that as making any really good practical sense. I think that everybody is starting to appreciate, and, and even uh, the Inglewood, uh, shall we say, hierarchy appreciates that the league is making it clear. Whatever facility gets be- built must be able to accommodate two teams. And if you're going to have two teams in the L.A. market in any of it, it just makes so much sense to have one grand state-of-the-art stadium in the perfect location. And uh, I don't see two stadiums being built in the L.A. market. So what you mentioned a, a timeline. When, when will a decision be made, and when do you think we'll see football in L.A.? My best estimate is that a decision will be made, and by decision, what I mean by that is a vote of the owners to decide on what's going to happen in L.A. and who's going there. I think that'll happen in uh, January of 2016. I think the league wants to have this resolved before coming to the Super Bowl here in San Francisco in February of 2016. Well, and, and this would uh, obviously it would take years to build the stadiums, but the teams would move effective uh, immediately in January of 16, Carmen. If, if the people in Carson, the Raiders and Chargers, do they have a spot where they would play temporarily? Would it be the L.A. Coliseum or the Rose Bowl? They, have they chosen one, or is that still to be, to, to be uh, determined? To my knowledge, that has not been determined, and the, the teams would have to make that decision, and the teams would have to make that, uh, that arrangement. Carson would not, in my, in my opinion, I don't think Carson's responsible for that. Uh, I think that would be up to the individual teams. How about the situation in Oakland? I know you're leading the charge in, in Carson, but certainly in listening to Roger Goodell and, and the meetings, Roger had said that really he hasn't seen any type of proposal from Oakland. Do you, do you think that for all intents and purposes, the Raiders are done in Oakland? Well, I, I not only promised, but I insisted uh, upon not having the, any responsibility uh, in terms of re- reporting on or even commenting on mm-hmm. the home team situation in the home team market as it now stands. I just wanted to stay away from it, and I think it's counterproductive. I'm only looking at Carson. But I will say this. Both teams have tirelessly attempted to get something done in their markets for, I know, the Chargers for about 12 years, and I imagine the, the Raiders are pretty close to a decade and no tangible results have been presented. And now, with the Inglewood situation having been put on the table and that situation stirring up the pot, so to speak, these teams would almost be irresponsible if they allowed that opportunity to just sail away when they had nothing else going in their, in their, uh, in their own communities and they have two of the worst facilities in the NFL. So they had the move. They, they had to take the move and make the move that they did. And I, I think that, in all honesty, the more you look at this Carson site and the more you understand it's not only now a reality, but it can be the best possible alternative for the league, I think this train is rolling down the track at a pretty high rate, high rate of speed. 
Great stuff. Thanks for the insight to Carmen. Good luck with it. And uh, we would be remiss if we did not mention uh, Casa Piano Wines. How's the wine business good? Everything going good? <laughs> Everything's going great. Okay. And thank you both very much. Carmen's a raider. I'm just excited. <laughs> you're, you're a raider, Carmen. Can we now, say wait that? Wait a minute. Uh, you're not, <laughs> oh, look at it. Now he's, oh, you're uh-oh. raider slash charger, uh-oh. but you're a raider, Carmen. Come uh-oh. on. Now, Greg, you're not going to see me walking on the streets with silver and black. I want the eye patch. I want the eye patch. <laughs> oh, you're getting me in trouble. Oh, yeah, you? of course he is. We're going right down to Santa Clara with you wearing the eye patch. Carmen's a raider. Yeah, welcome aboard. Uh, Carmen. Thank you. Hey, Thank Carmen, you, good luck. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye now. All right. Inside the Huddle with John Clayton on ESPN Radio and ESPNRadio.com. Welcome to the podcast of Inside the Huddle on ESPN Radio and the new ESPN app. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to get you in-depth on what's going on with the Oakland Raiders. Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, will give you his efforts to try to stay in Oakland and what's going to happen as far as uh, maybe some options in Carson and other places. What's going to happen with the Chargers? What's going to happen with the Raiders? What's going to happen with the Rams? The Raiders story is really getting intriguing. And let's be joining on the Subway Fresh Tech Hotline, Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders. First, for all the Raider fans who are down there at the hotel, at the owners' meeting, trying to show support, you're trying to keep the team in Oakland, aren't you, Mark? Correct. How difficult is it? It's not an easy task. It's not an easy task, John. Um, We've been working on a stadium in Oakland for the past, at least six years on a uh, very uh, strong basis. And we definitely want to keep the Raiders in Oakland, if possible, and have made as much as we can uh, trying with the uh, city, the county, and the Oakland A's, and the Raiders, trying to work something out to figure it out, how we can get it done. Well, I thought you were very succinct at the owners' meeting and tried to spell out the difference. First, you, you were trying to get a $900 million stadium, which in this day and age is you know, not the most expensive. It's pretty reasonable. But as you emphasize, there's about a $400 million gap that has to be filled if this thing's going to work in Oakland. Um, the Raiders, uh, along with the NFL, with the uh, G4 uh, money, uh, which is a $200 million loan to the Raiders, would be able to come up with $500 million. And we put $500 million on the table and would believe that we could build a stadium in Oakland that would be suitable for the Raiders and our fans uh, for about $900 million. We would need the land and the infrastructure to be taken care of somehow. How difficult is it to keep a stadium like that under a billion dollars? Because all these new stadiums seem to be coming in at a billion plus. Well, we're not, we're not really – if we were to be in Oakland, we don't really need to have all the bells and whistles on a stadium. What we want is a football stadium. We don't need, you know, massive clubs and, and things of that nature. Um, my, 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 the three things that are most important to me in a stadium up here would be ingress, egress, and parking. And the reason I bring those three things up is, is it makes it easy for people to get in and out. And the parking, tailgating is such a major part of the Raider game day experience for our fans that it's something that I'm just not willing to give up. So parking is such an important thing. So we, if we have those things and we're able to build a football stadium such, similar to Seattle or something of that nature, we'd be more than happy. Mark Davis joining us on the Subway Fresh Take Hotline. Where would the location be? Would it be around the current complex or would it be in some we, other part of Oakland? We, we would like to have it exactly in the same place that it is right now. And the reason for that is the current stadium connects to BART, which is the Bay Area Rapid Transit. And I'd say 30% of our fans utilize that on game day. 
And so it, the train comes right into the uh, stadium. They get off, they walk a ramp, and they're, in, they're into the uh, stadium. And what we'd like to do is build it right on that same footprint. The reason for that is, is what we would like to do is, is immediately, once, once we, we've got all the designs and everything done, would be to uh, demolish the existing stadium, create a very flat footprint and pallet, put in all the infrastructure, and build a brand-new stadium right there with the parking and everything. One of the challenges we have with that is, is that we share the stadium with the Oakland A's. And the Oakland A's have a, I, I believe, a 10-year lease to remain in, that, in the Coliseum. And what one of the, uh, the plans that they're talking about is, is us building the stadium in the corner of a parking lot. And then once our new stadium is built, then they would rip down the stadium and build a new one for the A's and build housing and all of that stuff. And it's, that's just not a, a situation that I want to get us into. I would like for, if possible, if the Raiders and the A's are going to stay on that site, that the Raiders and the A's vacate the uh, Coliseum for the next two or three years. We build a brand-new football stadium and a brand-new baseball stadium on the site, and then we, then we come back, come back and uh, begin playing in two brand-new stadiums without – uh, construction going on around us in, in brand new stadiums. I think that you had mentioned that June 21st, you're expecting to hear something from uh, the area. Is that the target date to try to at least get something or is there not going to be anything? Yes. In Oakland? What, what, what the city and county have done is they've given an exclusive negotiating agreement to a company uh, run by a guy, guy by the name of Floyd Kephart. And they are, attempting to come up with that $400 million gap through some type of a uh, real estate uh, development deal. And by June, June 21st, they're supposed to come, I believe, with a financing plan to the city and the county and then to us. And we'll see if it's, if it's a doable deal or not. We're hoping that it is. I know, because that would be your hope. I know the same thing that Dean yeah. Spanos is hoping in San Diego, that there's a way to stay. But, and Mark Davis joining us on the Subway Fresh Take Online, there are options. And what I didn't realize at the owner's meeting, there is a lot of momentum building on the Carson Project, a project where you, know, you would be sharing the stadium with the Chargers. How viable can that be? The fact that there's two teams doing this project and the fact that we've got 170 acres right now it gives us the ability to finance the stadium without relying on ancillary development. So we don't have to fill the parking lot or the extra acreage with buildings and, 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 and hotels and things of that nature. Um, we're able to uh, just build a football stadium, which would have the ingress because of the freeways and where Carson is located, would have the ingress and egress that I require, and as well have the parking that would give us the best game day experience possible. But one of the other things I picked up at the owners' meeting was the fact that, uh, you know, how close you and Dean have been, even though you compete in the same division. I mean, I know it's a uh, very competitive division, but it's like, I mean, you guys seem to be really working well together. Well, it's funny because, you know, our fathers were were close for a long, long, long time. Um, My dad helped bring Mr. Spanos into the league, something maybe he regrets these days. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But, uh Dean and I had always, you know, seen each other, but we rarely talked. And I think it was, you know, a competitive type of thing where, you know, I'll use a charger or he's a raider, you know. And we did have a vicious, and we still do have a very vicious rivalry going on the football field. 
But once Dean and I got together about three or four months ago just to talk about this project, um, we really get along. And uh, we have similar uh, business principles, and things are working out pretty good in that respect. And I know the big, because knowing Dean as well as I do, I mean, no, I know, because you know his patience in trying to get something done in San, in San Diego. I mean, as much as this Carson project might be the answer, I mean, he still would love to be able to keep his team in San Diego, just like you would like to keep your team in Oakland. Exactly, and that's why I call it a parallel path. And up until, I'd say, early last year, um, even the parallel paths were just in, in talking stages. And then within, when it got... Uh, things got to where they've, they've gotten in, in our situation here in Oakland, we took it to the next step and started really putting uh, a project together. And that's what Dean and I got together, our series about doing something. And it's an amazing project that uh, could be great for the NFL, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the fans. Now, one thing I thought was interesting at the owners' meeting, you're pretty specific about, you know, the do's and don'ts. I mean, you'd love to be able to keep the team in Oakland. The Carson Project's open, but, you know, San Jose is not an option from what you had said, and also maybe not St. Louis. That's correct. I believe that the Raider brand is a very unique brand, and it's something that whatever stadium that we're able to build, wherever we're able to put the team, is going to be the last place that the Raiders are going to play in my lifetime. And I want to make sure that it's a Raider type of situation. And I just don't feel that those two venues or uh, geographical areas fit the Raider brand. One interesting part of this, too, is that if there's going to be, uh, you know, the two sharing the stadium, is that one team would have to leave uh, the conference and get out of the division, which, of course, is, you know, something that, you know, what for so, so long, since 1960, they've all been playing against each other, Raiders, Chargers, Raiders, Chargers. Um, yeah, and I, I, you know, that hasn't been brought up to me yet. Um, that hasn't even been one of the discussion points. I know it's been uh, brought up by other people, you know, in the media and things of that nature, but... That, that issue issue hasn't been brought up, and I think that's something that, you know, the league will deal with when the time comes. Let's, let's talk some Raider football. How do you feel about the team right now? Fantastic. We're undefeated. <laughs> that's a good start. <laughs> and you'll be that way for a few and, months. And, and we're unscored on. That's right. The defense has really improved. Uh, yeah. No, you know, I'm really excited. I think that uh, over this last offseason, we've really put a lot of stability into the uh, football side of the building. Um, I think Reggie's been doing a great job. He's had a lot of patience with uh, building the roster and trying, well, you know, what we call the deconstruction phase. For the first two years he was here, and now we're in the reconstruction phase. And I think bringing in Jack Del Rio uh, was just a really, really solid move for this organization. And uh, the coaching staff that he's put put together is just uh, just a great staff. Um, I think I think all of them have played football at one time or another, so they all understand the game understand the players and i think the players can relate to them because of that and uh we're really excited mark i thank you so much a lot of things are brewing right now and i just wish for the raiders and the best of luck because uh something something needs to get done and it looks like something will get done whichever way it ends exactly so on that note uh <laughs> the tidbit of new information on the 21st or 23rd of june the raiders have to hear from the city and county uh, about the Coliseum and their plan to bridge the $400 million gap. Yeah, whatever. Uh, City of Oakland ain't happening. So 
as far as I'm concerned, uh, we'll see what happens. But um, they're not prepared in any way, shape, or form. And Mark Davis himself, in his last interview about the process, was very giddy and excited about the Carson deal. So that's all I got to say. It is what it is, but I ain't going to worry or lose an inch or a minute of sleep. You better forget it because we ain't got no control, folks. Not a damn thing we can do except watch the process, which is the funniest part. Every time I thought I got it made, it seemed the taste was not so sweet. Okay, you've heard about the rule changes. Changing some damn rules around here. Well, the NFL decided in their great wisdom to improve the entertainment value of the game to make the extra point more challenging. So it's a 33-yard field goal, if that's what you're going for. It used to be on, of course, the two-yard line. And if you want to go for those extra two points, you can do that too. And you will also be there on the two-yard line. Touted as some big change. I I don't see a lot of change. Uh, The one thing that can happen is if they do get their hands on the ball, the defense, that is, they can run the ball back. It's a live ball, so it's on. Uh, that'll make things a little more entertaining, I think. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how teams uh, change their style here for that extra point. It'll be really interesting to see uh, if they go for it more or not. If they kick the ball, if you got a crappy kicker, that's kind of cool. We have found out what the future of the extra point is, at least for the next year. It has been altered as expected. The ball is going to be on the 15-yard line now for one point, or the ball will be placed on the two-yard line for a two-point conversion, and the defense can score two points on a turnover. Here is Rick Smith, who was on the competition committee and was one of the men charged with uh, overseeing this rule change. Our hope is that um, what we've done is we've added skill to the play, um, and then we've also we will also see some increase in the number of, of attempts to go for two. And the timing was just that we just felt like it was a play that that was almost a ceremonial play. Is one of the the way it's been languished uh, here recently, uh, and so we needed to do that. What is your reaction to that? Well, I'm not a big proponent of it. I don't think you needed to fix the extra point. Personally, I sat there and said, it's not broke. Don't fix it. I mean, again, a two-point conversion is still going to have a lot. You you like the intrigue that you can return it. I think there's a lot of what-ifs, what happens if there's a bad snap on an extra point, and you run it into the end zone. Is that a two-point try now, or is it a one-point because you're trying an extra point? So there's a lot of questions I think a lot of clubs still need to hear or we need to hear so we can explain it to everybody because there's a lot of questions out there about this rule. I just personally think – couple things one it's going to change the way games end if you go up mm-hmm. by a touchdown at the end of the game you're up by one point you just take a knee and not go for the two point because the last thing you want to do is turn the ball over and they run it back for two points Great. you just lost <laughs> right right so there's a lot of just a lot of things that coaches are really going to have to think through and that's what I guess what they wanted they wanted that intrigue to make sure that players coaches everybody wants to stay tuned throughout the whole game and just not just assume the extra point is going to be good because again at the end of this year I'll be very curious to track two-point conversions 
versus extra point tries and the percentage of extra points in teams in the South, like Atlanta, New Orleans versus a Chicago or New York, and how many they miss on their extra points because of just the weather and the cl climate you play in. You brought up a point earlier. I heard you on the radio, and I think it's very interesting. Yeah. What if there's a penalty? Well, I think this is one of those what Bill Polian calls unintended consequences mm -hmm. of a rule change. But let's say it's November, December. It's cold. It's windy. Team is down one. They line up for the extra point from 33 yards out. Offensive lineman called for holding. We're now trying a 43-yard extra point to tie yeah, the game. Right? There's going to be a game where an offensive lineman's flag for holding, where they push it sure. back, where they miss the 43-yard kick, and the offensive lineman's going to be hailed as the goat of that game because of that penalty. Well, it's, it's the same thing that happened in a two-point play. You can get a foul on the two-point play, and guess what? It goes from the two to what? To the 12. To the 12. Yeah. And then and in so, the old days, you would kick. Yeah. And so I, I think what you look at right now for coaches, and, and, and I'm glad it was implemented now because there's going to be a lot of strategy involved in this. Conditions, as you said, yeah. the score of the game, who the kicker is. Yeah. But also this, it becomes a package now of your offense. Mm -hmm. So this becomes a headache for defensive coordinators. And that's where Chip comes yes. in. Yes, because now all of a sudden, you know, you practice red zone, two-minute, uh, four-minute, uh, you know, situations. This becomes a big situation in football. It used to be, you know, two-point play when you were behind or you felt like you needed a two-point play, you'd go for it. But now a lot of teams at 47%, that's a little bit skewed because not that many attempts. There's going to be more yeah, attempts now. So I think all kicks. of a sudden that, that number will go up. Right. You think it'll go up? Oh, yeah. And, and I think more people are tweaking score. their roster. Sure. Now you're going to put some specialists. Sure. On like, that. let's say, for Tim Tebow, he's smiling right now. He's yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Tick, tick. The train yeah. is working. And then because, you know, how are you going to run your offense? Do you put a big old defensive uh, tackle in there that's a pretty good athlete on, as your fullback Lead and give blocker. him the ball and sure. open it up and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to limit the box and let him run? Do you get quarterbacks like Tim Tebow running the option down there? Well, let's also be clear this is the rule change for this season. And it gives the league and the competition committee one year to assess how they like it, and then they can they make tweak a, it and adjust it going got it. forward yeah, so they may amend 2016. It. So it's not as if we've passed this rule, and it's going to be this way moving forward in perpetuity. We'll see how it plays out, and they'll make adjustments accordingly for the 2016 season. Well, if they want more teams to go for it after this year, if enough teams don't actually attempt it, Put it on a one and a half. Show of hands here, by and large. Do we like this rule change? I do. I'm interested. Yes, it's fine. It, it's, it, it's, it becomes another play. It becomes a situation in football you have to prepare yourself for. I like, I like that the defense can, can score. Can get two points. Get two points off by returning the two point a fumble, conversion. picking off a pass, yeah. blocking a kick. So many times you see them block it, and the play is blown dead. I said, yeah. why is it over? Why yeah. is the defense right. being penalized when they've made a play and they should be afforded the same opportunity to what if you go up, What if you go up by two Fine. points at the end of the game and there's about ten seconds left and you kick it, right? And then all of a, or you, you score, and then do you kick? Or do you go for two to make it a touchdown game instead of a field goal? Oh, oh, no, you got about ten seconds left, and all of a sudden do you kick it? Thinking, oh, you know I see what? where you're going. You could block it. If they block right. it running for a touchdown, no, yeah. or, do you take, or do you just take a knee or do you go for two points? What do you do? All yeah. these situations, and the fans get the second guess the ball, coaches. The other rule change that I think is going to be very sticky and we're going to be the victim of it for sure, is the extended protection of the receiver. So the NFL has seen a case where if you intercept that ball from the receiver and somebody comes along and knocks that receiver down as he's trying to get the ball from you, that could be a penalty and you could lose the ball. Now, I think once the ball is intercepted, that's tough shit for the receiver. 
I think whatever happens to him should be a footnote in the game because he lost the damn football and he should be able to get pummeled. But evidently, in the new era of kinder, gentler football, the rule now will extend to the receiver and perhaps next year they'll start throwing some flags on the receiver, getting their feelings freaking hurt. I can't even believe it. It's a joke of a rule, and this one I see as really being a stinker in the new rule book. Oh, gosh. Can't they leave a good thing alone? And that is all I have to say about that. All right, it's time for the bone line. Come on, man. I know it's been a long time. I know there's nothing really been going down, but you got to call in the bone line. There's some calls, I know, and it'll start picking up here as soon as we get closer to camp and our first preseason games of the season, or if anything else breaks out, like a dramatic move somewhere like San Antonio. Just kidding. (laughs) All right, who's the first caller on the bone line? What we got here? And our first caller, Raider Grant from Salem, Oregon, and he has a question. <laughs> it's a good one. Hey, what's up, Raider Grant? Raider Randy, this is Raider Grant up here in Salem, Oregon. I uh, just want to say, where the hell is my podcast? Uh, not able to get to it. Uh, goes to GoDaddy.com. Anyways, ask GoDaddy if you want some Raider Nation podcast. This is Raider Grant up here in Salem, Oregon. Uh, let's stay optimistic, Raider Nation, because this year is going to be a good year. Other than that, where's my damn podcast? This is Raider Grant. I'm out. Later. Well, my brother, long story short, my my webpage or my URL or whatever Randy wants to call it, uh, domain name. So we have to wait for a few weeks to get it back. Um that's why GoDaddy comes up when you check out our site. Uh, I hope, hopefully soon, that will be eliminated. But right now, you have to go to theraidernationpodcast.com, theraidernationpodcast.com. Like I always say it when I start the show, this is The Raider Nation Podcast with your host, Raider Greg. So check it out. We're doing our best to fix it. So that's it. And our next caller, the captain, Captain Raider, up in the house. What you got, brother? First to fight for the right and to build the Raiders' might and the Raiders go rolling along. Raider Greg, Raider Randy, this is Captain Raider calling from Sierra Vista, Arizona. I know I'm the captain, so I got two bars to prove it. Well, the draft is done, um, and I got to say this. Um, I am pretty stoked. I know that everyone's uh, you know, a little bit on the fence with Amari Cooper because we had Leonard Williams uh, sitting there for us to take. Later, Greg, I know your, your stance on defensive linemen, and you know, I can't disagree with that, but you know, just think a little bit of uh, a little consolation here. You know, here at Green Suiters uh, in our – in our military, we think strategically. And I think uh, 
our man Veggie is also thinking strategically um, to help you guys feel a little bit better. Uh, I know it's a little way, way too early, but I got two names for you that you can take home and sleep tight that we'll be having uh, them join our team next year. Uh, Joey Bosa and Robert Indici from Miss, from Old Miss. Don't worry. We'll get the defensive line solved, I promise. Um, back to the draft. Um, I have to say that uh, the Amari Cooper and the Clive Walford picks were outstanding. We all know that quarterback is the most important position in this league, and in order for Derek Carr to show exactly what he's worth, uh, we need to give him some weapons. Um, as for the rest of our receivers, man, you know, they need to prove themselves. I agree we have a, a bolo of receivers now, but come on, guys. The receivers we had were just fucking crap. I know there were some drops. I know that, um, you know, we had one of the worst offense coordinators call on the plays, but those guys couldn't catch shit. So now we have the Crabs, we got Amari Cooper, and we got uh, a guy DuBose uh, later in the rounds, which he should hopefully become a productive slot receiver, I hope. And it creates competition. I mean, I, th- I think that's great. Um, the one pick that I was a little bit off about, Raider Greg, I know you agree with me on this, is that Mario Edwards Jr. pick. We had Preston Smith sitting there from Mississippi State. The guy would have been perfect to plug in. I don't know what they're thinking about with Mario Edwards Jr. I hope he works out, but, you know, I, I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. However, for the first time in a while, we got a coaching staff that knows how to coach defense. So, you know, I'll put my put my faith in them and realize that they probably know a whole lot more than I do about this kid. So, I'll I'll go with them on on this pick. Uh, finally, I just want to talk about you know this whole Patriots thing, man. I'll just be real quick about this. Fuck the Patriots, man. I have had zero respect for that organization before this whole deflate gate thing, before the whole spy gate thing, and every rare fan can agree with me, that fucking tuck rule game that created Tom Brady's fucking bullshit legacy will be forever remembered in my mind exactly what kind of fucking person he is. Lucky. So, that being said, I am not at all surprised that he deflated balls. I'm not at all surprised to trying to, you know, cover it up, all that horse shit. You know, the guy's just been, his whole career is marred with inconsistencies and, and whatever. He made it through. Oh, well. Guys, again, love the show. Um, listen to it every time you guys put it on. You guys give us all the fix uh, for our Raider news um, during the off season. Keep it up. Much love. Captain Raider, out. First, thank you for the props, my brother. Um, we're doing our best to keep it go- going here all summer. Not much news, but the Mario Edwards pick to me was a huge blunder. Uh, we'll see. But I, you know, <laughs> Super Mario, like I like to call him. I hope he becomes Super Mario. But and there were some other players on the list that were much better. I'm not saying... A little better. I'm saying much better. And, well, you know what I think about Tom. Tom Brady from the Brady Bunch. Thanks for the call, man, and all of the props, bro. We'll try to bring it to you. 
every single time. And next from beautiful Utah, my good brother Raider Rick is in the house. What you got, man? Hey, Raider Gray, Raider Randy. This is Raider Rick coming from, from coming to you from Utah. Um, I just called before. I didn't know if it had made it through the show, so I figured that I'd call again and uh, tell you a little bit about how I feel about Raider Nation. Um, I feel like the draft went well. I uh, watched a lot of game film on these players, and I think I might know exactly what um, is going on, hopefully. Um, Amari Cooper, um, I I love that pick. I'm glad we drafted him for this reason. Um, uh, Streeter was injured at the time, and um, uh, Holmes, he's not, you know, uh, a most reliable receiver. He did have some plays for us last year, but he was 100% reliable. Crabtree, he had a leg injury last year. He's healthy this year, and so we weren't 100% on our uh, on our receivers, you know. Um, and so I think Cooper will solidify that as the leader, and that we'll have a good receiving core. So when we run the football, and those uh, the defense plays forward, we can bomb the heck out of them. Uh, with our receivers. Um, number two, I know there's been a lot of hate going around about this Mario Edwards Jr. Um, you know, I think we have the right coaching staff to help him out there. Um, I think he can play that, that defensive end and uh, stop the run because that's what is really important is uh, stopping the run, especially on in the AFC West, you know, uh, with Melvin Gordon from uh, the San Diego Chargers and uh, Lamar Charles from the Chiefs, and now Denver wants to run the football. So I think we're going to be able to um, stop the running game. We're going to force them to pass, and in those situations, we can bring in that linebacker from Virginia. He's really a defensive end. We can bring him in off the edge, him and Khalil Mack, and you know I think they can teach Edwards to get more sacks, and I think they're going to be pressuring them you know, all the time. And this is Jack Del Rio and Ken Norton. They're going to bring pressure a bunch of different ways. Um, and I believe that, uh, you know, I'm going to go out and go in and say that we are going to win our division this year, um, for sure next year. And um, I also want to agree, agree with you, Raider Greg, when I was watching the draft, I watched it on ESPN and not NFL Network. And with what I've been seeing on not only ESPN, but on some of the stuff online, people are giving the Raiders, some people are giving the Raiders, um, you know, hope and a chance of what they're, what they're doing. And so they're, they're acknowledging them in some ways, some ways they're not NFL network, totally not, but I've noticed other places are, um, just wanted to let you guys know how much I appreciate you guys on this, on the show, uh, given your insight, I know a lot of people were upset about Williams, but you never know with his shoulder. Not that we didn't get Leonard Williams. You never know how it's going to work out. I know his shoulder was a big problem, but I have faith in our in our defense that we'll stop the run and we'll add the pressure that we need, especially against Manning. Um, I think we beat KC twice, San Diego twice, and beat Denver once. 
that's five wins right there. If we if we add three or four more, there'll be eight or nine wins. Um, that's just my opinion. Watched a lot of film on these new guys. I'm excited about the draft. They're excited about the way the Raiders are going. And uh, Raider Nation, I promise you, we are on the way up. We have the coaching staff to do it. And I'm happy. And I'm grateful for the Raider Nation for the strong family that we are. Um, and this is Raider Rick coming from you from snowy Richfield, Utah. I'm out. Peace, brothers. Well, that's a nice take on our team for the season. I'm not sure about the wins this year. Uh, Super Mario was not my pick, as you know. Um, and a lot of people are giving grief over that pick for good reason. But, you know, our coaching staff's a first-year staff. There's a lot of growing pains that are going on. I do agree with you that next season, we're going to take the West for sure. This season, we're going to let them know that we're going to take it next year. So everyone's going to be on notice at the end of this season that the Raiders are no joke. Not anymore. And we're coming to get you. I appreciate the positiveness for sure. We need a lot of that here in the Raider Nation. And uh, thank you for the call and the props, brother. And next, a first-time caller. We love him. The Rancho Raider is up in the house. What you got to say, man? What's up, Raider Randy, Raider Greg? This is the Rancho Raider. I don't know if that name's taken or not. First-time caller. Just came up on the podcast. Loving what you guys are doing. Hopefully Raider Nation's doing well after the draft and started the rookie minicamp. Uh, I just want to call in and discuss a few things uh, regarding the draft and also the status of uh, the facilities. So um, I was, too, on the Williams uh, bandwagon, but uh, I was kind of shocked when they picked uh, Cooper. But, you know, digging into it, um, it makes sense that we went offense. And I'll give you a little reason why here. Um, looking at the numbers, um, last year – the Raiders were had 71 three and outs out of 198 possessions. So that's over a third of our possessions, uh, we went three and out. And that is 17 more than the next worst team, Cleveland. So obviously, you know, offensively, we were just terrible, right? Um, you know, we were last in total yards and yards per game, 30 work first and points per game. Um, obviously, our rushing game was historically awful. Uh, so it made sense that uh, we went, you know, offense. You know, people think we had a terrible defense. Well, statistically speaking, we were last in the points allowed. But if you actually look at the statistics, we were 21st overall in uh, 16th ranked in passing defense and 22nd in rushing defense. So with the addition of, you know, some of our free agent pickups, that should hopefully mitigate some of the problems that, you know, we were having. You know, now we're a little bit more stout against the run up the middle. We got all these linebackers. Um, hopefully, some of the young corners come through and develop. Um, you know, obviously, we got you know TJ Carey, who I think is going to play a big role for us. Hopefully, DJ Hayden, because this is the year that it turns it on. Um, so we're looking good, man. We got that safety, and you know, still got Woodson running around back there. And hopefully, some of these kids that we picked up as undrafted free agents or at the end of the draft can you know become another valuable you know TJ Carey like uh, person. So you know, um, another thing too, people are concerned with size. You know, I was kind of on the Kevin White train if we were going to go wide receiver. But, uh, you know, you look at the trends in the league, and the guys that are getting it done are not these, you know, 
six five, six three behemoth like Megatron. And don't get me wrong, you, you don't ever want to pass up on a guy like that. But I mean, you, look at being there right now. You know, Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown. You know, you got a smaller guy like you know, uh, D. Jacks is still getting it done. You know, even Mike Wallace before he, you know went batshit crazy and you know Pittsburgh told him to take a fucking walk. But um, you know, the smaller guys could still be very effective in this league, and you know, arguably maybe some of the best performers this past year. Or so. You know, I'm anticipating the same thing out of Cooper. You know, runs great routes. You know, he may not have, like, the absolute blazing speed, but, shit, you know, you know, Elvis Witted, you know, he, he was great. He was fast, but, you know, he ain't catching anything. So I, I think we're going to be all right with that, man. Um, you know, we made some investments, you know, uh, with the rest of the draft. You know, we got that uh, third-rounder um, tied in out of Miami, uh, Wolford. And uh, you pair him up with uh, Lee Smith. Coming out some amazing, you know, double tight end sets with some real quality guys. Um, the offense would be much more balanced. So, you know, I think uh, going back uh, with the signing of Hudson at the center and uh, now with the fourth-round pick, uh, the guy out of uh, Miami also, I think that, you know, hopefully he can compete for uh, the um, uh, right guard spot and uh, we'll uh, be able to have a strong line from left to right of Penn, Jackson, Hudson, um I think uh, not sure the guy's name, and then our right tackle. You know, we'll put Donald Penn back from right guard back to. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Austin Howard on right tackle, and this guy's going to get it. I mean, our offensive line should be much better. Get two big tight ends. That should open up some lanes for Murray or whomever. We have wide receivers that could tackle a bunch of things. So it's just going to be great. So this is going to be a great year. I think that um, you know, like you say, Greater Greg, three starters out of this draft. I think we got them with uh, you know, obviously Cooper. Um, the tight end, and hopefully this offensive lineman. And anybody else with a prospect, you know, you're just rolling the dice and you're hoping that your scouting department can come through and, you know, just going off the last year's draft, I think they're going to get it done. So um, that being said, Rare Nation, party on. Hope everybody's having a good time. You know, warm weather everywhere, so get that barbecue and those beers cracking. And we're going to rock this, baby. So be proud. Words and colors strong. Peace out. Very well said, my brother. You laid it out just like, well, just like you should. Um... Our defense did suck, and I'll tell you the big number that you want to look at is 22 sacks, the last in the league in pressuring the quarterback. And in our division, we don't have an opportunity to have any of that go down. We need to have pressure on the quarterbacks in our division, all three guys. So I'm hoping that that'll be greatly improved with our linebackers. Uh, I'm hoping Super Mario pans out. We do have a couple guys from last year that could fill it in as far as putting pressure. Um, yeah, we got to get after the quarterback, and that that was the Mario. Will, that was the the Williams uh, debacle for me in this draft. But we must move on. This is our team. They're doing great things in camp. I like the OTAs. I like the pace. I like the pressure. I certainly like the coaching staff. Let's see how we blow out this season. Let's see what happens. We should see a lot of improvement. If not, there are going to be some serious issues in Oakland. Thanks for the call, brother. And our next caller is the Duke City Raider. What is happening, my brother? Raider Greg, Raider Randy, the Raider Nation, what's up? This is the Duke City Raider. I'm stoked for this season. I'm excited. Uh, I think the the drafts are are adequate. I, I hope they're good starter players. There's three players out there that I hope that they can start 
immediately for us. Uh, like you rated big, uh, that's all we need is at least three good starters. I also was looking for Lenny Williams on our draft. Of course, half you know half the Raider Nation, or maybe seventy five percent of the Raider Nation wanted that, um, and uh, and strongly so, you know. But hearing Greg Papa on the radio of uh, the diet of the draft, um, saying something that he had an injury that you know he will, might not even start his first game. Um, I don't know how true that is, but uh, maybe that's the reason they didn't draft him. Uh, but um, I think Cooper is going to be a solid player. I hope. And uh, I, too, was pretty pissed off at the fucking NFL Network on TV. I recorded the program. Fucking asshole. They changed the station or they put it on. Yeah, it was real quick. Little, okay, Amari Cooper. Yeah, okay, he's good. Okay. Next, uh, look. Look at the, you know, so-and-so. They picked, you know. Dude, that pissed me off. I was ready to throw the remote at the damn TV. But anyway, uh, so that being said, um, I... I'm not from Oakland, but I do want to support the team. Uh, I challenge uh, all the Raider fans out there that don't live in California to get out to a game. Let's support the team. Let's sell some games out there. Um, I know it's a uh, it's it's a little of expense, you know, but the tickets aren't that expensive right now. Before the the stadium goes up, a new one. If it, I hope it does, and maybe selling out some you know some games this year will will inspire them to get shit going, you know. Um, so that's my challenge to all the Raider fans out there. I want to go out there and meet you, Raider Greg, Raider Randy, and, you know, some of the YouTube guys out there, like, um, um, you know, Mikey and Radio News Guy and, and the Knights, you know, the Raider Knight. Uh, everybody from the nation is fucking badass, dude. And they're just a bunch of Raider haters out there. They can't stand that. We still stand up behind our team regardless. We're fucking diehard Raider fans. And they just fucking hate that. Even though our team is not the greatest in the world. But you know what? It's not the shittiest either, man. They treat us like we're the shittiest team. So fuck them. I hope we kick all their asses. And peace out to all the Raider Nation. Later. Thank you, brother, for that great call. Let me tell you, the thing I like best is you bringing the positive energy to the nation, A. B. You're telling people exactly what I've been saying for years. Get your ass to a seat in Oakland. That place won't be here very long. They're reasonable. They're really reasonable. You're going to see the Raider Nation in its glory, especially this year. Man, if you can afford it at all, get your ass to Oakland. Put it on a seat. You're going to have a great time. And you'll be able to have the memory of being in Oakland at the Coliseum. Uh, No matter where the Raiders go, you could say you were there in Oakland at the show. Uh, Hey, man, there's nothing like the big gray house right there that Al built uh, to see a game. I can't thank you enough for encouraging people to do that because that's my whole rant this whole year. Get your ass to a game. Thank you, my brother. And next we got Radar Joe from Fresno. What's happening, my brother? Hey, Raider Greg. Joe calling from Fresno, California. Um, first of all, I mean, I like your show. I like your show a lot. It's the first time calling. But I got to debate you about, you know, who is it, Shane Ray you wanted to take? 
Guy's got off the field problems, a little undersized. Guy, he's not really, I mean, explosive as you want him to be. He's not like Khalil Mack. I mean, if you want to go Khalil Mack, you have to get Dante Fowler Jr. That's the way I see it, but we didn't have a chance to get him. And Leonard Williams, Leonard, Leonard Williams isn't even a top prospect in draft for me, for me at all. I mean, he he's good, but he just depends on his athleticism, athleticism too much. He doesn't, you know, use technique. He just uses brute strength, and that's it. You're not going to beat guys like that in the NFL. You're not going to beat tackles and guards like that. You're going to have to use your technique. And Amari Cooper was the best pick of everything, of everybody. And Clive Walford as well, the tight end we got out of Miami. Dude's a burner. But that's all I got to say for right now. Well, I'm sure there's more you got to say, so get that phone up and call in and say some more. Yeah, I think Williams, as big as he was, used Bruce's strength, but that's why you have a coaching staff, bro. You got to turn this guy into Hercules. He's already strong. You got to give him some technique and then allow him to be the best defensive lineman in the NFL. Uh, They don't all come that way. They don't all just show up and all of a sudden they're champions. You have to coach these guys up. Uh, it's part of the whole program. None, nobody comes in with, you know, very few guys come in to the NFL ready to play. Put it that way. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about Super Mario. He might be a good pick too. But um, I'm hoping that our young receiver is the kind of guy we need. I know we finally got a quarterback, so that's going to change our dynamic of our of our draft. Like I thought, we were going to go a little more offense because we got to give Carr some weapons. I think we did. I think it's good. I don't think it's bad. I just think our defense, uh, 20, 22 sacks last year, was, was it sucked, especially in our division. We need to get some pass rushers. And Shane Ray, say what you will, we'll see next year what happens. We'll all see next year on all these draft picks. But i that was my guy, uh, however you want to say it. Certainly, I'm not afraid to uh, say that's who it was. And we'll see what happens. It's a draft, man. It is a crapshoot. Let's just hope we get three solid starters. I'm liking our team. I certainly like our coaching staff. And I like they're putting their, a- their, their foot in some of these guys' ass early. Uh, That discipline situation has been needed in Oakland for a long time. Thank you, my brother. And next, we have Raider Beach, and he is in hostile territory where the Chiefs, (laughs) oh, you know, (laughs) what's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Raider Beach holding it down in Missouri. Unfortunately, I'm in Chief Country, and uh, we all know how much we love the Chiefs here. <clears throat> anyway, I just wanted to say I'm a first-time caller, and I uh, really appreciate what you guys do. Uh, I thought the draft was great this year, man. Uh, I really like the Amari Cooper pick. Um, I think he's going to make this offense explode. Um, you know, we have Latavius Murray back there for us. And that Clive Walford out of Miami, great tight end. 
Um, plus the addition and free agency with Michael Crabtree. I think that was a big pickup for us. Um, I think people need to look out for our offense this year. And uh, also on the defensive end of the ball, we got a lot of good players. Um, you know, it's it's amazing that our rookies stepped up and we have a rookie that's leading our defense in Khalil Mack. I mean, obviously Charles Woodson's still there and, and he's a legend. But, uh, you know, his time is going to be short. But, uh, you know, it's awesome that, you know, Khalil Mack stepped up and, you know, I've heard he's put on some weight, got bigger, got stronger. Uh, of course, we have Derek Carr on the offensive side of the ball, but I think he's the franchise quarterback, man. I think he's the real deal. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think the Cooper pick was a great pick. Um, I think that, you know, yeah, Leonard Williams is good and stuff, but I don't know, man. Sometimes with those big defensive players, you know, they're they're all they're all or nothing. And uh, I think we went with the sure thing, and that's Cooper. I think you pair him up with Crabtree, Holmes, and Streeter, and you just let Derek Carr start flinging that pigskin. And I think uh, people are going to have to look out for us the next couple of years, man. I think we go 8-8 eight and eight this year, and I think uh, 2016 we win that championship uh, and then maybe, you know, see how far we can do in the playoffs. But uh, like I said, I appreciate everything you guys do, and I love the podcast and keep up the good work. Raider Beach is out, and go Raiders! Well, there's not much I can say about that. You uh, you laid it out very well. I mean, our offense should be way more potent. We've had a trouble <laughs> at offense for a long, long time. Uh, let's just let's just be honest. We have trouble on defense as well. I think the staff here is going to make a big difference in the way we play football. I like the tempo. I like the coaching. I like the new attitude. I certainly like the players we picked. Hey, man, we're going to see what happens this year. But I'm thinking next year we're going to challenge for the whole division for sure. They're going to know it this year from what we put on the field. Thanks for the call, brother. And next, my very good brother and season ticket holder from Houston, Texas. That's Houston Raider Steve, by the way. What's happening, man? Hello, Raider Nation. This is Houston Raider Steve. Man, I was so happy that Robert Kraft, which was Goodell's best little buddy, took one on the chin, paid a million dollars. He's really super pissed off. Oh, they forgot. He was the same one that said, you know what, Mr. Goodell, you owe me an apology for this whole thing about this deflate gate. Well, you know what? This goes back a long way with the Patriots, the cheat tree rats. I remember when Billy Sullivan owned the team back in eighty, in the 70s and 80s. They used to say, I used to follow him when I lived down in Florida, South Florida, Fort Lauderdale. They used to say, splat the packs. They wore those uh, red uniforms, which looks better than the UPS guy or whatever they, not UPS, but the U.S. Postal Service guy they look like now. And they had the snowplow game. We all know that. The, up there was up in Foxborough. Patriots and the Dolphins. They had a uh, convict on work release out there clearing out a path on a snowy day in January. And uh, for the Patriots to make a field goal, which they made, they ended up beating the Dolphins by those three points. So, uh, you know, they just disregard rules. They do whatever they want to. My brother-in-law is from inner city Boston. And you know what? I've been hearing his shit all these years about how superior Boston sports teams are to the rest. He just likes to do that to be a jackwad, whatever you want to say. I'm being nice when I say jackwad. By the way, the number one team in Boston are the Boston Bruins, the hockey team. Number two is the baseball team. Number three most popular team 
it's a uh, Celtics number four of the Patriots, Patriots as we say. So that a tuck game that was a fumble. We all know that is. We got hosed on that one, kept us from going to the Super Bowl. And then, uh, of course, the later at the Spygate, and now this. So that's four. So the reason why they lost that, they got fined a million dollars, which is repetitive behavior. You think they would learn after all this time? Mr. Kraft's over there bringing up Goodell and all these people over to his games and kissing ass and thinking he's a big shot. He said, oh, when I first got tickets, I was sitting up the nose and you know, I'm the owner of the team. You know what it is? It's like it's like some cowboy fans. It's their fans. They're so fucking arrogant. There's no other way to say it. Condescending. I'm glad they're taking it on the chin. I'm glad Robert Kraft is pissed off. Now we can find out how we felt when we got screwed in the tuck game. Cost us going a trip to the Super Bowl. But you know, but at that time everybody else is also getting gored. He finally got his gored, and he's you know, and then that agent for. Uh, so Tom Brady, I think his name is Jen or something. Oh, we're going to fight this. We're only going to get two games. Well, you know what? Even my mom says, oh, she's hard of Tom Brady. My friend at the bank, Mary, was saying, you know, he's got this all shucks attitude, you know, in the hayseed, like my mom says. You know, I couldn't possibly do this. We all know it. The deflator, give me a fucking break. Two guys in there, then he doesn't turn his cell phone. There's this motherfucker. Yeah, I remember when he got hurt a couple years ago. Remember that against Kansas City up in Kansas City? I was up in Molly's pub. The whole fucking bar was all cheering when he got hurt. You know why? Because you're tired of NBC and all the media, ESPN, all the people that get all the little freebies by Robert Kraft to kiss his ass. They finally took one on the chin. You know that? We're so tired of the effing Patriots. Fuck them. Having their team ram down America's throat. You know what? If you ask anybody who their most hated and despised team is, it's the fucking Patriots. The two tree rats. Yeah. So, you know, shove that up your ass, Mr. Robert Kraft. How does it feel to be on the other side of getting gored? And the Raiders are going to be back, baby. Go Raiders! Take that, Brady! Well, that was a very nice scorching of the Patriots you just, you just laid out there, Steve. Yeah, Robert Kraft wanted an apology and ended up sending a million dollars to the NFL for their charities. Good thing. I'm so sick of those blowhards. And yes, if you haven't figured it out yet, folks, they are shoving the Patriots right in your ass every Sunday. I don't give a shit about Brady. I can't wait until he's injured and out. And that's all I have to say about that. Thanks for the call, Steve. And next from Buffalo, New York, the Raiders edge. And I'm sure he has to put up with a whole lot of Rex Ryan bullshit. <laughs> oh, God. You poor guy. What's up, brother? Hey, what's going on, Raider Greg? It's the Raiders edge from Buffalo, New York. Uh, just listened to the last podcast. I'm just calling because I was I was a little surprised um, <clears throat> how negative some fans were that we took Cooper over Leonard Williams. And I'm a big USC Trojans fan, uh, so you know I've been watching Leonard Williams for three years. He's a really good player. Um, definitely worth the pick at number four. But just look, you look at the season we're coming off. Um, we broke the Raider record for punts in a season over 100 punts. Uh, we led the league in three and outs. We had no offense. Um, drafting a defensive tackle 
I mean, what's it really going to do for a young quarterback? I mean, you're in a position with a young quarterback that has a lot of potential, like Derek Carr, and you compare him with a young, outstanding wide receiver like Amari Cooper, you have to take advantage of that opportunity. And that's what the Raiders did here. The Raiders have something here that a lot of teams covet. you got a young quarterback and a young wide receiver who both could become, you know, franchise-type players. It's very rare. And I noticed a lot of people were saying, you know, oh, this is Reggie McKenzie's pick, Jack Del Rio, defensive-minded, uh, coach will never do this. But if you think about it, uh, Jack Del Rio was defensive coordinator for the Broncos. And, you know, he knows, he watched the Raiders. He knows what's going on. And the Broncos cornerback, Chris Harris, said it himself on uh, the radio that they were afraid of no one on the Raiders' offense. Nobody kept them up at night. There was nothing to be afraid of. You know, and it's the truth. Jack Del Rio knew it. He watched these guys. He knew it. He knew the Raiders needed a wide receiver, a true number one guy to move the chains. You know, I think, yeah, Reggie McKenzie made the pick, but I think I definitely, totally Jack Del Rio was on board with this pick. Um, it just makes too much sense. You know? you know, Andre Holmes, Bryce Butler, these guys were, you know, they can't separate. They can't really run routes. They're outside guys, you know. Uh, Rod Stringer's a pretty pretty solid option, but he was hurt. We didn't have him. James Jones is older. He's gone. We just released him. You know, this was a great pick. I think this is, um, you know, you team him up with Carr and uh, Octavius Murray and you draft Clyde Wolford. Now you now Michael Rivera moves into a, to the backup role as a role player, a move tight end. You know, now you've got this young core of offensive skill position players and I'm pretty excited. Uh, we'll see what happens, but um, I think better times are ahead. All right, thanks, Ray Greg. Bye. Another caller laying it out very well. Um, you know, I don't have a, anything against Cooper. I'm glad that we have him. I mean, I'm not against the pick. <laughs> I don't know who is against the pick. I just know that our defense had 22 sacks last year, and that is uh, leading us down to the least of anyone in the league. The worst sack total, period. So what does that say to me? That says we need more defense. We definitely need some defensive linemen to get in there. So um, that didn't work out this year. Maybe next year it'll be a focus. I think maybe with the players we have, uh, Jack Del Rio says we could put some points up and keep the, the keep the other team out of the end zone. That's the name of the game. Let's hope it works out that way. I do, um, but I know we need some help on that defensive line. We'll see what happens uh, next year. I, I bet you we'd be drafting some serious defensive ends, uh, defensive tackles, uh, if we can. Um, but I certainly agree that the offense needed some serious attention, and you don't get that attention when you have a shitty quarterback. But now that we have Carr, and he's proven it, uh, they're starting to give him what he deserves is some weapons, and that's a fact. Thanks for the call, brother. And our next caller is the Kansas Raider. Man, the Midwest is coming in big this year. <laughs> what is up, brother? Hey, Raider Nation, this is Kansas Raider coming right at you. Well, the draft is over. We picked up Amari Cooper. Congratulations, Raider Nation. We got us a wide receiver. 
Um, I really wanted Leonard Williams, but, you know, nevertheless, I take what's next. You know, we did need a wide receiver. I said that last year. We needed a wide receiver, so we got one. I think we're going to be all right now. Um, just heard that we just signed um, Sling. Oh, man, I can't think of his name. Safety, strong safety from the Texans. Uh, Swingers, something like that. I can't remember. But, man, that's a good pickup, just in case, you know, Charles Woodson, he's getting up there, man. He can't, you know, body doesn't work all that well when you hit your 40s. Or well, I think he might be like 38, 39-ish. But still, that that's a good pickup. Um, the, the season's about to start. Let's get ready, Raider Nation. Let's cheer for the team. I'm hearing a lot of crap already about the Raiders aren't going to be good. The Raiders, we have a great chance of going to the playoffs. I don't know why people keep on saying that. I think we need, we need a defensive tackle, a strong defensive tackle, but we're still in the hunt of having a good record. Um, I just wish all everybody, analysts, everybody just shut the fuck up. I mean, seriously, you guys are just, it's, it's hating. When it comes down to it, they're hating on the Raiders because they're the Raiders. Not because, oh, they, they suck. No, we're one of the best um, organizations that ever play the game. And I'm talking about college, high school, NFL, any of them. The Raider Nation is one of the greatest. Get off of our fucking asses and let us play and see what we do. Don't try to give us a damn ranking and we haven't even played a fucking game, not one. Um, there goes my rant. I'm done. Raider Nation, love y'all. Peace. Well, brother, until we start winning some football games, all the pundits, uh, pundits, whatever, the assholes, are uh, going to say the same things because they listen to their buddy next door. Oh, the Raiders are going to be shitty? Yeah, they're going to be shitty. Yeah, oh, yeah, the Raiders are going to be shitty. They said so, and they said so, and those other people said so. Well, uh, I think, just like you, uh, the worm is turning because, uh, well, ESPN and other networks are starting to turn around and, and say some real sweet things about the Raiders and how their possibilities are. We haven't heard that shit in a while. Honestly, I don't give a rat's ass. I just want us to go out there this year and beat ass. I want us to kick everybody's ass. And if, if even if we lose, I want them to know that they were in a big-time football game and they're not feeling real good the next day. I want us to be bruisers and bullies. And that's what I'm talking about. I want us to be the Raiders of old again and let everybody hate us even more than they already do. Thank you for the call, my brother. And our next caller, very good caller, very cerebral. I love this guy. This is Raider Malik. You know him. He's from Tucson. What's up, man? Hello, Raider Greg, Raider Raider and Raider Nation. This is Raider Malik from Tucson. Just calling in uh, after the draft. Um, in the last podcast, a lot of people had a lot of issues with uh, the pick when they chose uh, Amari Cooper over Leonard Williams and the fact that uh, Williams uh, dropped a little bit was a little suspicious to me. I don't know if he dropped because of just team's needs, even though he was, you know, supposed to be the, the best player available in the draft, 
or if there was something else sort of going on with that where other people had questions as well. Uh, I feel like either pick would have been great for the team. Um, I don't want to try to try to say that, you know, it, it was a horrible decision and all that. And a lot of people were doing that last time in the last podcast, and I'm not going to do all of that. I'm excited for this team. Um, I love Cooper. Uh, I feel like, yeah, it would be, ha- be great to have some defense, but they actually got some, you know, some good free agents on defense that's going to help with that. And a big thing that we had a problem with this team was scoring consistently, and I think that's really going to help us. The addition of him and the tight end, uh, Clive, I think it was Clive Worley, I mean, that's great for this team, man. And they actually got a couple undrafted players that are that are raising a lot of eyebrows that could really do well on this team. We do have a shitload of receivers. I don't know if we can do all these receivers. We have a shitload of linebackers. I get all of that. But I'm just not going to bash the pick. I think, you know, Cooper was fucking solid, man. And, you know, Williams, yeah, he looks great. He wanted to be a Raider. Some people think that was just a big slap in his face to, to not take him. I get all of that, but... You know, it's about winning ball games, and we got to put points on the board. And I think Carr needed a weapon to really develop into what he could be. And instead of waiting another year to see what happens, now we can see him really develop. And I feel like this guy Edwards, there's a lot of question marks around him with his past weight problems and consistency. But, you know, from what he was saying in the interviews after that, he was saying all the right things, you know. And his dad was, was you know, telling him that this is no longer a scholarship application this is no longer a four year program. This is your this is your career and you need to act like it. And it sounds like he's gonna do that and based on his athleticism and his, his potential, I'll take it, man. If he turns out to be a stud, that's great. Everybody will forget about this and we'll move on. It sort of reminds me when Sharif Floyd was supposed to be the guy the Raiders should take in a draft and they had to take him because he's a you know defensive player and blah 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 and all that stuff. Where is he now? You don't really hear about him. You know, he may be okay, but he's not that stud. So William's going to be in a stud, but so could Cooper, and I'm I'm fine with that. So you know, I just wanted to say all of that, and uh, I just I just feel like this is this this is a good this was a great draft. And until we see what happens on the field, we just don't know. You know, a year from now we could all be pissed off still about it because it didn't work out. I get all of that, but right now we just don't know. So we really can't just put down the team and say that this was just a bad decision. Um, you know, I say I say good luck to both to tell the truth as far as Williams and Cooper, and uh, but yeah, if Edwards works out, you know, that could be a major steal. I mean, people were saying he's gonna go down lower in the draft, and he he picked too high. I get all of that, but if he works out, man, you know, we'll have the best of both worlds because one will have the best offensive weapon we wanted, and we'll get a stud on defense. And you know, if Jason Tuck can step up this year and the, and the linebacks that we got and, the, and we just need we needed some more cornerbacks I will say that we didn't get any cornerbacks in the draft that was a little disappointing but you know shit you know the games haven't started yet so I say when the preseason gets here we'll find out what's going on but uh, I just wanted to say that though we had a great draft I'm very happy um, I was shocked we didn't grab Leonard Williams but in no way in hell am I upset they got Amari Cooper the guy's a stud so. I just say let's just move on and uh, stay positive, nation. All right. Thanks a lot, fellas. Bye. Well, just like every year around draft time, people get very emotional. And you know from your uh, from our last show, you understand how emotional people got. Hey, I, I'm hoping Cooper is the best ride receiver ever. I hope he blows out Jerry Rice. I hope he has records upon records. 
I know we need a, a offensive help because we had a, a <laughs> anemic offense last year, but our defense was anemic too. You really can't go wrong with any picks as long as they start, and we will see what's going on by the end of this season. You'll see a little more by, by preseason, but when we start playing real football games, we'll get an idea of where we are, where we stand, and I think we did a pretty good job too. Hey, man, this is the road to success. You know, we've been going through this crap for too long. The, uh, you know, the rebuilding, all that shit. I think we're closer now than ever. And, uh, yeah, man, we got we got to be positive about this year. I totally agree. I think we're going to go places. We're going to surprise some people. So let's just see how it pans out. I don't think anybody is pissed that we got uh, our, our young wide receiver, um, I don't think anybody's pissed that we didn't get the defensive end or defensive tackle. I think that now everyone has resigned themselves to the fact that this is our team, these are our Raiders, and we're going to go with them all the way through the season. I think that's a fact. Thanks for the call, brother. It's always good. And our next caller is Raider Build from Santa Rosa, California. That's not too far from me. What's up, brother? Greater Greg, Greater Randy, first-time caller. I'm not sure if you just felt a point. Greater names on this, but if so, I'll go with Raider Fields. I'm uh, living in Santa Rosa, about an hour north of Oakland. I'm just calling in to talk about the stadium for a second. Everything that's coming up, it makes it look more and more like we're leaving town, man. I've been going to games for, fuck, I don't know, since I was a kid. But can you really blame them? I mean, Oakland taxpayers paying for a stadium when the Raiders are our third highest sales for NFL jerseys. I don't know how all that money is allocated, but it's got to be going back to old Mark Ass somehow. I don't know. It'd be nice if they started shekeling out the pesos to fucking stay in town, but it doesn't look like it's happening. All right, man. Thanks for the podcast. Go Raiders! Well, I got to agree with you. You know, you've been living up here. You've seen it. You've been around it. You you know, if it smells like a duck, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, well, it's what it is. And that's what I'm seeing as far as our stadium deal is. It's a duck. It's a duck turd. It's dead in the water. Um, I'm not feeling it here in Oakland. But, you know, whatever. Never going to lose the Raider Nation as far as we're concerned up here in Northern California. Uh, wherever they may go, we will follow. Uh, that's how we are. That's how we roll. That's how the Raider Nation is. So whatever happens is going to happen. Honestly, I'm just tired of hearing about it. Just build something somewhere so we can move the hell on. Thanks for the call, brother. And next, my very good friend and brother, Raider Sid, the Desert Raider. What's up, my brother? What up, Raider Randy, Raider Greg, Raider Nation? It's Raider Sid, the Desert Raider. Pretty slow time of year, though. You know, nothing much going on. Hope you guys are all in shape. Get out there and kick ass, the mini camps, everything. You guys got to be on point, man. All I keep hearing about is this bullshit deflate gate. Who gives a fuck? You know what? Brady's a fucking liar. He's been a liar since fucking day one, okay? From the moment 
after the tug game, when they asked him what happened, he said he was going to throw. He was trying to throw an incomplete, or he was trying to throw a pass, and it was incomplete because it got knocked out of his hand. That's bullshit. Liar! I yelled right to the TV set. Yeah. So, but you know what? Uh, he had to lie about this Deflategate stuff. Think about it. If he would have told the truth and said, "Yeah, you know what? I had my guys take some air out of the balls. You know, it's just the way I like them." You know, we did it after the refs checked the ball. They took them in the bathroom. We took some air out. You know, that's what I do. I'm sorry. They would have given him a slap on the wrist. They probably no, no uh, lost draft picks. Probably a $25,000 fine. And uh, but the thing is, there's a chance they would have suspended him for one game, which would have been the Super Bowl. So that's why the motherfucker lied. You know, I he he did what he had to do. But you know what? Now you got to fucking pay the price for fucking playing in the Super Bowl. Now you're fucking labeled a liar and a piece of shit, just like your fucking boss, Kraft. That guy's a lying sack of shit. Why doesn't he take some of his fucking macaroni and cheese and stuff it up his ass? Because that's how much it's worth. Fuck you, Kraft. Fuck you, Patriots. And you fucking Boston radio guys. You guys are fucking idiots. You guys sit there talking about, oh, well, we still won the game when the balls were inflated and the Colts had no chance. That, that has no fucking bearing on the game, you know, it doesn't make a difference how your fucking balls feel, it's that he cheated, and he fucking lied about it, and he's continuing to lie about it, so fuck him, he's got to pay the price, I say add another motherfucking game, make a five game suspension, you better not motherfucking bow down to these pieces of shit, especially Kraft, he's an asshole, you don't fucking sit there and, and, and take the punishment if you know you're innocent, you're fucking liars. Then why, if you didn't fucking do anything, why did you fire your fucking two guys, the deflator and the other dude? Huh? How come those guys are gone if they didn't do anything? Fuck you, Patriots. You're full of shit. I motherfucking hate you. So as far as I'm concerned, that's two fucking Super Bowls that you have that are fucking tainted. Because Brady shouldn't have played in this one because he would have got a one-game suspension and he wouldn't have played. And then the other one was your first one because the fucking Raiders beat your ass in fucking Foxborough. So who knows if the Raiders would have beat the Steelers or if they would have went on to beat them, if they would have beat the Rams. But as far as I'm concerned, the Rams, the Steelers, and the Raiders got ripped off on that fucking call because Walt Coleman is a piece of shit ref that got called by the fucking league and was told to look at that fucking play. You know what? And he fucking called it a fumble on the field. You know, and I have this argument with all these Boston pieces of shit all the time. And I tell him, look, it is no fucking tuck rule because Brady had two hands on the fucking ball. All right? He's no longer tucking it. He's fucking running the ball. So we look at the fucking replay, and what do they say every fucking time? Well, you really can't tell if he had two hands on the ball or not. Oh, really? Okay, so what's the rule then? You fucking go with the call on the field, you fucking moron. The fucking fumble. I'm sick and tired of the fucking Patriots. They can go to hell. Fucking Raiders are going to kick ass. Can't wait for the fucking season to start. Let's go, Raiders! This is Raiders said, the desert Raider. I'm out of here. Nice rant, brother. I love it. I fucking love this rant. Raider Nation, listen to this guy. He's got it all down to a science. I cannot stand the rats. I think they are rats. They've always been rats. And they'll continue to be rats until they're beaten down. And I can't wait to play their ass. I hope we kick their ass. And every time we play them, no matter from here on, I want to destroy the New England Patriots, and I cannot wait until we're able to uh, real soon, real soon. 
Great call, bro. Great call. Well, that is it for this edition of the Raider Nation podcast. Please continue to look for us on theraidernationpodcast.com. That's where we are. Direct all those who are questioning to there. We're trying to do it on our Facebook and everything else. So we're going to get our our regular um, name back, I'm sure. We're working on it right now. Other than that, man, the OTAs are over. The team's looking crisp. They're looking good. Other than a little bump on Carr's hand, got a little issue. He should be fine before training camp. This team and this staff are going places. I am telling you, I've never seen so much energy in OTA since I've been going to the damn things. This team, this staff has a certain burning uh, to get to a championship. I am stoked of what we have. Wait till you see it on the field. I think you're going to like it. Until next time, I am Raider Greg. And I am out.